Optophobia, the fear of opening one's eyes. This podcast is dedicated to encouraging you, our listeners, to move beyond that fear, to solve riddles they don't want us to unriddle, to investigate supposedly ironclad truths, to unearth evidence buried for so long they believed it would stay buried. Season 1 A Cold War-era military base in the Horn of Africa called Cagnew Station. For years, there was an official story about a U.S. intelligence project at Cagnew, codenamed Stonehouse. The project included a pair of 15-story parabolic antennas that the American government claimed was simply part of a powerful radio communications operation. But as the space race with the Soviet Union intensified, that cover story looked increasingly flimsy. By the 1970s, civil war forced the U.S. from Ethiopia, and Cagnew Station closed for good. Or did it? What was Stonehouse, really? What happened at Cagnew Station between 1974 and 1991 when violence and war gave perfect cover to any shadowy agency, organization, or cabal seeking it? This season on Optophobia, we'll track down the distortions, the assumptions, the omissions. Are you bored by the lies? Open your eyes. Hi, everybody. I'm your host, Bertram Cooper. So much about the Cagnew Station story is obscured by lies. The U.S. government lied to itself in the 1960s. Cagnew was, the official line went, just a grand experiment in better global communications. It was enough of a secret, however, that the base's purpose, even its location, was discussed by Congress only in executive session. And those discussions were deleted from the public record. That changed in 1970 when a special Senate Foreign Relations Subcommittee on U.S. Security Agreements Abroad concluded its inquiry after uncovering what one historian called, quote, a considerable amount of information which previously had been unknown about overseas military activities. And not just in Ethiopia. Also in the Philippines, Laos, Thailand, Taiwan, Japan, Korea, Greece, Turkey, Morocco, Libya, and Spain. After concluding the investigation, the subcommittee's chair, Senator Stuart Symington of Missouri, told the press that, quote, the basic thrust of the report is the people's right to know. What are the facts? That search for facts eventually turned up a doozy, that Stonehouse was not just about strategic communications. It was about stealing Soviet space secrets. The knowledge that Cagnew Station was built on a lie led, of course, to the cottage industry of investigations that began blooming around the Stonehouse story 50 years ago. And it's obviously given us an amazing platform for the first season of Optophobia. I have been to a lot of conferences and meetups about Cagnew Station over the years. I've heard hundreds of theories from people who have researched the military base's history, some of whom we'll be talking to this season on this show. But one facet of Stonehouse that isn't explored very thoroughly is faith. 
We're going to dive into that today with our guests. But first, sitting with me in the studio here is my co-host, Hassan Gray. How's it going, Hassan? Oh, um, well, I got a new cell phone. Um, switched from Apple to Samsung. Today or just this week? I or? did it not four hours ago. Yeah. I was noticing when I was on underground subway transportation, I was getting signal. I said, now, why would I need signal under four layers of concrete in the middle of a city? Right. Oh, wait, I don't need signal. Government needs signal to be able to track me. Huh. Bought myself a Samsung phone, bottom of the line. Uh, I don't know how to pronunciate it. It's just a random uh, collection of letters and numbers. You mean the brand? The yeah, it's a phone? Samsung X, uh, XQ7T. Mm-hmm. That's an XQ7T. It's the bottom of the line. I, 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 it barely does what I want a cell phone to do. Can't search the web. Can't really connect uh, online. Can only can, can't do Wi-Fi. So I, I bought that phone and I got back on the subway. No service. I said, well, I'm off the grid. So you don't need your phone for all that other stuff. You really just want it for... Why would I? A phone, I have got a computer. What do I need a phone to do all that other stuff for? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and why would I need my phone to be as fancy as a computer? Oh, wait. I don't. Government does. Government needs my phone to be that fancy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you know so much about this area because of your job. Yep. I'm in and out all around the area. Yeah. I mean, people would do well to heed your... Uh... Yeah. I, that's actually how I approach most customers to say, take heed of what I'm telling you. You don't need all this fancy communications equipment because it's not for you. It's someone else. If it's this fancy and sophisticated, it's not built for you because you are a, I hate to say lemming, but most of my customers who do buy Verizon products for cable services, lemmings, idiots, snaggletooths, you know, just even you talk bottom of the line, they're bottom of the line people. Is this is this the kind of uh, topic that would go on your podcast? Oh, Oh, on my podcast, yeah. the uh, Not My Problem podcast? Right. Absolutely. Because all I talk about is all the dumb questions I get from customers about, like, my internet's not working. I say, let's, let's start at the basics. Is it plugged in? And then they say, God damn, it's not. Uh, do any Verizon executives listen to your podcast? They do. They've tried to shut me down. I've gotten cease and desist letters um, almost weekly because I call them out by name. And I've also... Uh, recorded a podcast and you know i only record with my other cable friends those are the only guests i've had so far but every time i go to work on a monday after a recording i get called into my supervisor's office uh, samantha perkins and she she gives me she rakes me over the coals yeah i would think yeah, i get in trouble because you're not supposed to be talking like I, I i'm almost like an agent for the company even when i'm off the company if i'm doing a podcast about the fact that i work at you know, Verizon, it's not the best life. And that most of the customers aren't that smart. Oh, the customers, I mean, yeah, they're not that smart, and they don't want me talking about that. Right. They don't want to talk about how they're cheating their customers out of a, a fairly priced internet situation. So, right. Yeah. Real quick note before we talk to our guest today, uh, if you're new to the CAG News Station story and you want some background, uh, you can listen to our first episode where we kind of lay out that background, or you can check out our website, optophobia.org, for more context. Sadly, the guest we had scheduled for this week, Fran Kilipich, a boiler operator from Solomon, Kansas, uh, will not be joining us because she's dead. Jeez. Yeah, I called to book her time slot, and her boss at Solomon Industrial Boiler Manufacturers told me there had been a terrible accident. Oh, boy. And Fran was found one morning last week inside a broiler. Oh, broiled. Bro. 
Well, she probably wasn't found complete if she was in a broiler. No. I guess, wow, that is tragic. Uh, but the whole thing is very suspicious because yeah. the reason we wanted to talk to Fran was about her theory that an Ethiopian air flight, I think you might remember this, uh, that crashed into a mountain 60 years ago. Mm-hmm had been shot down by the U.S. Navy. Mm-hmm. Fran had written on some message boards that the plane was carrying a key piece of surveillance equipment meant for a competing Soviet version mm. of Cagnew's well, that's Stonehouse antenna, something we talked about in a conversation a couple of weeks ago with Theodore Kettle. Well, that makes sense why uh, she was found in an accident. Right, right. So, uh, sadly, we won't be able to reschedule Miss Kilipich, uh, but we have been saved. Mm-hmm as they say, yep. by Sylvia Brown. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Optophobia, Sylvia. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? And then we'll get to your cognitive research, just kind of where you're from and what you do. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm a librarian. Uh, I've always wanted to be a librarian. been all my waking hours as a kid, elementary, middle school, um, high school, of course, college. And I'm from a small town, Lapa Hall, Georgia just about two and a half hours uh, south and southeast uh, of Atlanta. How do you say it? Alapahal. 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 Lap, lap. Lap, lap. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Small, yeah, it's very small. Um, you know, I'm like a third generation uh, brown who's been there. And so um, in my reading, like, I, you know, I, I like to explore a variety of things. You know, like uh, recently I've just gotten into a bit of a, uh, NASCAR is fascinating. I guess I should have been in it sooner, <laughs> being from the South, right? I noticed, uh, not to interrupt, but you are wearing a full, uh, is that Jeff Gordon? It's Jeff Gordon, uh, legend. Le- you're wearing a full Jeff Gordon racing outfit right now, tracksuit. Yeah, I, uh, something about being fast. He's got those flames, exactly. like those Sunoco flames. I love it. And something also about just... Uh, uh, feeling vibration, like I also was in a fast car. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, and something about being connected that way and so fast, you, you feel like you're flying. Yeah, I understand. Right? Yeah, I feel like it could be an angel. I'm also very religious, which has also led me okay. to this. Okay. In, in my reading, so why don't you sort of walk us from the beginning? Like, how how did you stumble upon this particular? topic within the sort of Cagney bubble. How did, how did you come to it? There's a Captain Taylor in Lapa Hall. He, he's now since passed on, but this is a, uh, a learned man. He grew up, uh, you know, with not that much means, but was smart and um, went on to uh, University of Georgia in Athens and, and traveled the world, this, you know, back in the, the 40s. So, or so he took a lap lap around the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. That's a good one. I'm going to say that. Yeah. Um, and so he um, amassed a, 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 a fortune, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I think legally, illegally, either way, he's been good to the town. But he also loved books as well. And so in his travels, he, of course, he had been to South America. Well, hold on a second. Illegally, legally, is good for the town. Which one is it? Is it, it legally or illegally? Oh, I'm I'm talking about the his money. He he was he was in drug trading. Um, you know. That, okay. That's, yeah. So that's so, illegally then. It 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 is. But then he was able to launder the money, and it's all good. And okay, I understand. But here on here on this podcast show, we don't try and sugarcoat it. The show. Okay. All right. Try I don't get to the nitty gritty. So. Yeah. You you you're right about that. And you know, Captain Taylor, he he wouldn't want me to sugarcoat it. Anyway. Okay. He's good. dead. Uh-huh. And the money's clean by this time. But, yeah, so he had amassed a, a, a fortune. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was, of course, in real estate and the drugs. Yeah. Um, two two biggest things for most criminals, either in real estate or doing drugs. You know it. Anyone who's in real estate 
is probably a, a criminal. True. You are you're exactly right. But at least he tried to help the town. Yeah. Right. So he had these books from all over and he gave it to our small. And so I, I work in the, the local library. There's only the one. Mm-hmm. And so uh, since they, a lot of them were old, they're, they're not out for just any old public to, the, to read. And so I took some liberties and went down there um, as a senior librarian, uh, which I'm usually I'm the full time only full-time librarian, got some part-timers. And I went down and started reading some books, particularly about his travels in Africa. Mm. He's been to Benin, he's been to South Africa, he's been to the Congo, uh, and of course he's been to Ethiopian. Of course. And so from that time, he spoke about Kagnu. But he also talked about what wasn't being reported, right, when you go back. And, uh-huh. and one is, yes, there was like an overthrowing of the government, right, uh, during that time with the, the 74. Yeah. But he also said it was interesting that they didn't mention that there was also a massive earthquake, a massive earthquake that took place in the area. Oh. Right. Just for, for people who don't know the exact history, in 1974, a military junta mm-hmm. known as the Derg overthrew Emperor Haile Selassie. Yep. And mm-hmm. then they stayed in power for a number of years. And, yeah. And so, Sylvia, are you saying that this earthquake happened right around that period? Exactly. But nobody really knew about it because it was covered up by the Derg. Yes. Ah. I, but the thing is, I think that the people on the ground knew about it. Yeah, they'd have uh, to. They, they would have to because they, 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 they definitely felt it. Yeah. But the thing is, the, the U.S. government wanted to cover that up, that about this massive earthquake. Mm. Because... What happened in that earthquake was a releasing of God, right? And yes, I am a woman of faith and that, you know, some people say I'm biased and want to read into it too much. But looking at Cap Taylor's journals, he also felt a certain vibe that was happening, right? Mm-hmm. He could feel even more strongly the presence of God. What he believes and what I believe also by doing my own research is that within that massive earthquake that happened with the Dirk taking over mm-hmm. and revolution happening and all, you know, all that, that the voice of God was released from underneath underneath. Okay. Yes. Well, mm-hmm. this is okay. Now I've got some questions. Yep. If the earth is opening up mm-hmm. and God's coming from underneath, now, yep. then where's the devil? Cause from what I've heard my whole life is devils underneath me. God's above me. So if the earth's opening mm-hmm. up, shouldn't it be the devil that's being released? Well, I guess the thing is, I don't know if I believe the devil. I think the oh, devil, okay. and I know that they say that the oldest trick is that we don't think the devil exists. Oh, but yeah. I don't. I think it's just God. And I think it's free will, and like people want to put it on the devil. So what the free? What if free will is the devil? Oh, I hadn't thought about that. Mm. Like that's something yeah. I've I've thought about. You sometime. thought about that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, on my podcast we talk about it a lot. We're like uh, free will and the devil, which one's cheaper? And I always <laughs> think. I think it's free will is the devil incarnate in ancient in every one of us. Oh, wow. Because why else do we get temptations? It's our free will. We're like, well, I have the freedom to ch- make this choice. True. But you could either choose to, to be the devil, and I got my air quotes yep. up, or to choose a more heavenly approach. Right. Because that's the free will part of it. OK. But yeah. I'm just saying if the earth is opening up, mm-hmm. I, I like if I'm being being just 100 percent with you, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm you know, you can hear my voice. I, I a little bit southern in me myself. I know about NASCAR. There you, go. So you know, I know about Jesus and everything. Exactly. If Jesus comes from underneath me, then that means what have you been doing down there? Jesus, God, all of the religious uh-huh. leaders are everywhere. Oh, okay. Yeah. And particularly like knowing the history of Ethiopia, right, mm-hmm. is that it was one of the few, I think there's maybe another country in Africa, but it was like 
a long time. The only, I'll say, the only African country that was not colonized. Yeah, right? right. And the thing is to have that kind of favor to be put on you, to not be. You not know, to be influenced not by be none influenced. of the European BS. Or, exactly. And not to, and also to fight it. Yeah, right? to fight it. Yeah. And I think that, that that holy ground is there in Ethiopia. Okay. And I think with the Derg and what they were doing, along with these antennas that were tapping into. Everything. Everything mm-hmm. and everywhere. That with this earthquake, the jostling. earth shook. The yes. earth was jostling. Jostling. Kind of like those people I've seen in some of the videos where they're jostling and you put, lay a hand on them and they're like, so he's let it go. Yeah. Like Jesus has saved you. Okay, so the earth is doing that. The earth is doing that. The people are feeling that. And so with the U.S. government, those folks who were still there, they felt this as well. But then they also realized that it was coming through their antennas okay. and they had a certain power and control over it. Let, let's uh, take a quick break because this is a really important point. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I, I want to make sure we get to it in full. We'll be right back. Hey, Optophobes. I want to talk to you for a minute about our sponsor, Spikenard Monocled Cobra Solve. SMCS is a solve, not a salve. It's made from Spikenard an emollient that comes from the jatamanzi plant and the venom of monocled cobras, both of which are found in the mountains of eastern Nepal. We've told you before that the combination of spikenard and cobra venom is an effective weight-reducing unguent that only burns your skin for hours when you use it. Well, unlike other fat-dissolving ointments, spikenard monocled cobrasol has lots of other uses. If it's spring and you own a tractor, maybe you want to clean it. First, find some gloves that can withstand ketones, acids, hydrocarbons, solvents, and petroleum products. If you have a level A hazmat suit lying around, might as well throw it on. Then, just hook a 2800 PSI pressure washer into a 30-gallon drum of spikenard monocled Cobrasolve and start spraying. Let the tractor air dry and use a shop vac with a high-efficiency particulate air filter to clean the paint chips off the ground. Give it a try. Spikenard monocled Cobrasolve. Gird for the burn. We're back with our guest for today, Sylvia Brown, who we're getting very deep. Man. <laughs> talking yep. about energy, spiritual energy coming yep. directly from the earth in Ethiopia in 1974. So please continue. I'm glad you use the word energy. Uh, because we know that what these what signals and the signals that were there, excuse me, the antennas that were there, um, and I still believe that they are there, right? That the the voice of God, what I'm calling that, is able to go out. And a lot of times when people pray, right, they know they're not hearing God directly like a human voice, but they can feel something that's telling them they need to do this, kind of like that free will. Mm-hmm. If you want to say the devil, the temptations, mm-hmm. all that coming into you. And so the U.S. government being able to tap into what came out of the earth, right, this this fertile ground where this country that had not been uh, taken over, right, by European settlers and, and colonizers, they were able to use that to further control people in, in Africa as well as across the world. Hmm. Oh, so yes. they harnessed that. They were able to harness that. Yes, with that small little group that stayed that stayed behind. Uh-huh. All right, because I know they they try to say that folks left and blah blah blah. No, no, no. There's a crew that's still there, right? That's able to harness this. And so a lot of times when you feel like when you need to move, like if if you have the inclination that like, I got a water bottle in front of me, 
I need to move that water bottle one inch to the left. That's them. That's them. That's them. That's okay. Them. Yeah. Because sometimes I, I'll tell you this right now. Sometimes I park my car and it's like, I'm like, okay, I'm parked, and I know the the end of the no parking sign is like maybe uh, twelve inches yep. uh, away from the back of my bumper. And every time I walk outside, I just get this feeling of like you need to move your car twelve inches back so it hits the because you're messing up the parking for everyone else in front of you by being this far. Away. I feel like I hear that, mm-hmm. and I'm like. Where is this coming from? Why is this bothering me? Because my car has been here and it's not stopped anyone from parking. But why am I being sent this message, this this feeling? And so now I'm starting to think that's not just my that's Stonehouse. Yeah, that's yeah. Stonehouse saying yes, trying to keep the world in order. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm. there you go. What they're doing is they're grooming you, right? They got to start with little tasks like that, or with the water bottle example, right? Or the one about mm, do I feel right about going into this Ruby Tuesdays? Okay, I get that feeling a lot. Should I be going to Maggiano's? Yeah, I get that a lot. It's a grooming process. Should I be spending time at the Clyde's in Chinatown? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. But that's where you're going. That's where I'm going. Mm -hmm. Why am I going? Ruby Tuesdays is just as good. It's just as good. And I'm tired of it getting a bad name. Me too. They've mastered the formula of like a chain restaurant and delivering on meals that are consistent across the country. There you go. And like, so so why am I feeling these energies? And I'm like, okay, well, now I know. Now you know. Now I know. So what led me, reading Cap Taylor's uh, uh, journals, mm-hmm. he had uh, written out all this because when he was on the ground there um, and he was just traipsing around, I think he was looking for new federal territory for a... Uh, he was in coca cane. Um, what was that? Coco cane. Co- coco cane. Just can I spell it? Yeah, for just me? coco is like C O C O C A coca. Oh, I would say more coco. Coco. So C O C O A. And then cocaine. Cocaine. Mm-hmm. So that is K A I N. K A I N E. And then do it again. Cane. Okay. Coco cocaine. Okay. Okay. I'm there with you. Yeah. Mm hmm. Also known as cocaine. Um, but after that earthquake, he felt a great spirit come out mm-hmm. and hit him and it hit everyone else. And then everyone started speaking in tongues. Oh, oh wow. There it is. There That's it, it is. right there. Yeah. Speaking in tongues. And we all know when you speak in tongues, that is the Lord. That's the Lord. And yeah. these are people who had never spoken in tongues before. Oh, no. So no. they wouldn't know how they to do it. It just, no. hit, it just hit them. Exactly. And then that, that went on for 48 hours. Where people, I'm talking, he was saying that babies, toddlers, adolescents, teenagers, 20-year-olds, all the way up through 150, right? Speeding tongues for 48 hours. Uh-huh. And then it stopped. Just abruptly. Just, just abruptly. Everyone stopped. And even he was doing it. He was doing it, and too. Because he knew that he was speaking these tongues, but he couldn't stop. Mm. In his correspondence to family and friends um, back in the Lapa Hall, right? And I have those letters, too, where people are saying you're crazy. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you have the documentation. I have the documentation, right? I have it where he's talking about this, saying that he had a great supplier and he was having a good meetings and this and that. And then he talked about the 48 hours of speaking in tongues, mm. right? And then sending that back over to uh, letters to his family and friends in the Lapa Hall, in Lab Lab. And they said he was crazy. And they said, he, you know, you're not supposed to use your supply. But he'd never touched his supply, right? He's a businessman. Yeah. Businessman. He doesn't do that. But he stayed there and he continued to observe. And then he saw more activity. Like there were more helicopters coming in. Oh. U.S. government, right? Mm, USG. Exactly. Mm-hmm. USG getting in there. And he knew something was up. 
Okay. So he decided to go in when he was doing his regular, like he was trying to get some military contracts, mm-hmm. right, um, to be able to ship his stuff out. He also did that as well. So while he was there, he also got military contracts to ship out what I'm assuming you're talking about, his cocoa cocaine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this sounds, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that Denzel movie where he plays um, not Nicky Barnes, but Frank... Oh um yes uh the but one he goes to to Vietnam he goes to Vietnam and he uses the caskets of exactly. dead soldiers to yep. send back his pure mm-hmm. cocoa cocaine yep and like he's doing the same thing that he's doing so I'm like it was this an original thought or was this something that was planted in the mind of Frank oh Captain Taylor Captain Taylor he's following the the model that's been set from Captain Taylor exactly the thing about history like people want to say history repeats mm-hmm. it doesn't repeat. It just rhymes. Okay. You see what I'm saying? It rhymes. Okay. History so, doesn't yeah. repeat itself. It mm-hmm. rhymes. It rhymes. Okay. Because before with, with uh, the Frank guy, I know the, like the one where he was wearing the fur coat and that's how he blew his cover. Mm-hmm. Captain Taylor was never a flashy man. He would never get caught that way. Um, also, they weren't really checking that hard either back in those days. And also remember Captain Taylor is, is a white man. So even if he Oh, were, okay. Well, then, yeah, they're definitely not checking. Okay. So the thing, the thing is Captain Taylor probably got that from somebody else. Oh, Three four years okay. before, and this is just the rhyme sequence coming back on the second bar. Okay. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I also want to make a point up um, in Ethiopian Eritrean history. There is a uh, main figure, and his name is uh, Zare Dares. Um, and he was an interpreter. What was his name? Zare Dares. Dares. Yeah. Okay, I know the story. Yeah, this is why Ethiopians are like we're under duress, but keep going. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. Um, he was living in, in, in Italy at the time. He was a translator. And Italy, like, even though uh, Ethiopian, Ethiopia was never colonized, nope. uh, you know, folks were, white folks were still in there. Yeah. Right? So they had stolen a grand statue, a monument to the line of Judah. Mm-hmm. Which is very important in the Bible, right? Yeah. And lions are very important um, in, in general. Life, in general, yeah. Look, I just saw the Lion King, yeah. um, live action. Good, good story for black people. There you go. There but you go. If just because you will grow up fatherless doesn't mean you, you can't find your way. There you, you go. Just need some good friends. Keep you grounded. That's right. Also, you gotta be a lion. You gotta right? be a lion. He was out there eating bugs. Yeah. And leaves? Yeah. No, that's that was not who he was. That's not who he was. As soon as he became a lion, you saw what happened. Got his family back. Got his pride back. Everything started clicking. I don't know if that movie was necessary. Probably wasn't. It wasn't necessary. The The cartoon is a lot better. Well, you know why they did it? Because we sent a movie out like that, a remake of a movie that was once animated, so fake, you make it real, mm-hmm. then people all gather. What does that do? They're, you know, they're buying the new phones or consuming, you know, high-tech stuff. Yep. It makes for better uh, reachability from Stonehouse so they can track you and where you're going and what you're doing. So they got to keep making stuff like this to make you keep using your fancy little phone. Yeah. Yeah. But with this this character I was talking about, uh, Zare, um, he was in Italy and he saw the monument, uh, the Lion of Judah, mm-hmm. which was made in Ethiopia. Right. Mm-hmm. But they stole it, took it back because it was glorious. Right. He sees it there and he does a devotion. I think with that devotion, there was a stirring up. Mm-hmm. This happened in 1945. So this is about 30 years before this massive earthquake. Mm-hmm. There was a stirring up. Right. And, they, and the Italian authorities were like, no, this is not cool. What are you doing? You're doing too, this public devotion. And so they got into it. And so he whooped, whooped some butt. Oh, so he got in a fight in he Italy. Got in, he got okay. in a fight. Yes, he got in a fight with about three people. And he tore them up. 
Oh, well, that's, real good. that's very dangerous, especially old Italy, because oh, like everyone's wow. connected to the, not saying that the mob exists. I don't think it does. I don't know anything about it. But, but back then, it was like old town mob situation. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep. getting in a fight was dangerous. That's right. And then, and then this whole public display of devotion, right? Now, in hindsight, they probably should just let the, the man be. Now that they, they made him into kind of a saint mm. for the people of Ethiopia, right? It is, and he also was a, 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 a galvanizer in terms of a symbol. Oh, I forgot to mention that he uh, he beat up these three people. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got his butt beat. Oh, there and it then, is. And okay. then they put him in a mental hospital. There it is. There I, it is. I was going to say, there's no way he escaped. No. You beating up Italians in Italy? No. no. You're, 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 it's going to come back around to you full circle. Exactly. Lap, lap. That's going to be a lap, lap exactly, for sure. Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. I believe him doing that public devotion was stirring up in the ground. It was getting that stirring up. Oh, so that's where it started. Yes. Okay, so it's simmering underneath. It's simmering underneath, yes. And the fault line of Italy, if you trace it down, I believe goes through Sudan. So if you do a straight line off the meridian, I believe fault lines of Italy Mm -hmm. hit Sudan at the same point. So it's like it could be falling all the way through. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Right. And we know our Lord uh, and Savior, Jesus Christ, they love devotions. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that devotion that he did that uh, uh, caused him to be put into a mental facility, Mm -hmm. um, even though we don't believe it It was crazy. He just saw something that was supposed to be from his native country here Mm -hmm. and it wasn't where it was supposed to be. So I think with that massive earthquake and then 30 years prior, plus the antennas, that is the power to harness God's voice. God's voice. Yes. Or some imitation of God's voice, I should say. Do people have any theories about how the government, how they harness that that voice of God? Seems like a like a hard thing to do. It's something. It's something similar to like how you can just say, hey, Siri, in your phone captures it right something like that exactly and, and i'm glad you brought up about the hey series so what what was happening is that these engineers right what they were doing their thing about spying on the soviets getting blah, blah 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 all that good stuff but when that happened that 48 hours of the tongues it also hit the engineers right but th- what they noticed was that the engineers one his name was uh fred fred mm-hmm. Ayers, uh and he also that the connection to Cap Taylor. He was one who mm. helped him get the stuff onto the planes and back to the U.S. Okay. He was touching the base of the antenna, one of the antennas. No. At the time when he was and he 48 hours, he was holding on to the base because he was he was doing some repairs. Uh-huh. And so they noticed that that signal was going out. And at the time they were testing it. And it was going back into where. Oh, yeah. Back into uh, D.C. Right. Where they're collecting mm. this information. Wow. And then the people who were on the other side also had the 48 hours of the tongues. They were talking tongues, too. Yes, exactly. Oh, wow. Back at the relay station back in D.C. Exactly. Headquarters. Unbelievable. That would have been spooky to see. It would have If been. I just, like, walking in and I know where everyone starts talking tongues for, for two days straight, I'm... I my, my mind. I know something's going on. I, I so now it feels like to me, like when I'm seeing someone who talks tongues, it kind of looks like they're like receiving radio waves and they just don't know how to interpret them like properly. So it's like they're like, it's it's like yeah, that's why they're yeah. shaking. It's like these radio waves are overcoming them. It's like, that's the power of God. It. It's this radio wave that your body's trying mm-hmm. to interpret, but it can't because like, you know, like most people are dumb. So it's like mm-hmm. these super powerful mm-hmm. radio waves are coming in and they just can't interpret and their body's just convulsing and all that kind of stuff. Convulsing, yes. Wow, this is some stuff. Sylvia, this is fascinating. Unfortunately, we've got to wrap it up, but I have a qu- final question for you just for our listeners. Mm-hmm. What are the 
feelings that they should be aware of to know that this kind of energy is happening to them. Exactly. And I'm glad you brought that up because it's all about the defense, being defensive. So the thing is, you have to discern whether it is idea that has originated in your mind or in your heart. Right. Mm -hmm. If you feel that there's a thought that has come from your heart, like if you love butterscotch Mm -hmm. since you were a kid, that is coming from the heart. But if something comes in your mind and says, hey, maybe I don't need a hamburger and fries. I want pasta. And you know you don't like pasta. Mm -hmm. That's what you got to question. Because you know your heart is with the burgers and fries. Heart or mind. Heart or mind. I want to thank our guest this week. It's been pretty incredible. Sylvia Brown, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Thank you. My co-host this week, Hassan Gray, thank you as always. And thanks for having me again. All right. Next week, we will talk to Jacob Jinks. He's a hydrologist from Ruby, South Carolina, who believes Stonehouse was a failed experiment in underwater electromagnetic communications in the Red Sea. Wow. Yeah, that should be interesting. All right. Thanks for listening to Optophobia. I'm Bertram Cooper, and I will leave you with this. Perish in love, not resurrection. Thank you to Ava Lewis, who played our guest, Sylvia Brown. Ava performs with Press Play, White Privileged Black Power, Lena Dunham, Nixon, and Colossus. Follow her on Instagram at at Ava R. Lewis. Jamal Newman played Hassan Gray. Jamal performs with Lena Dunham and Nixon. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter at at Hello Newman and find him at jamalnewman.com. If you've got theories about what was really going on at CAG News Station, we'd like to hear them. You can find us on our website, optophobia.org, or on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at at optophobes. And please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Optophobia was produced by Tim Townsend. Music was composed by Bart Warshaw. Cover art by Claire Smalley. Website by Chance Griffin. Thanks for listening. Until next week, keep them open. Thank you.